0: Welcome to the latest edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime with me, Marshant Kenny. Well, if you were a fan of 1990s Southern Miss football when we were kicking ass and taking names at the Rock, have I got a treat for you today. That's right, I'm going to go one-on-one and get a fun behind-the-scenes interview with my quarterback, the one and only Lee Roberts. Well, it's a special time also for Southern Miss baseball, Pete Taylor Park. Things are really heating up over there. And one thing that's really been heating up, too, is a certain batting stance. I mean, it's taken the world by storm. And that's right, the batting stance of our awesome third baseman, Danny Lynch. So this week on social media, I asked the Southern Miss Nation to send me your best video impersonations of that world-famous batting stance. And, well, let's let the tape roll. Well, thanks so much for sending those fun videos into the show Southern Miss Nation. Well, next up, it's interview time, and this interview is going to be absolutely awesome. It comes with a guy I respect and admire to the ends of the earth for everything he stands for, and what a great ambassador for Southern Miss that he is. So today's interview comes with my quarterback, the one and only Lee Roberts. Well, today's interview is with a guy's in the Southern Miss Hall of Fame. He was an all-conference USA performer at Southern Miss. He's a great friend of mine and somebody I absolutely admire and look up to uh, to this day. I mean, I joke with him and call him Captain America for all he represents uh, and, and just being a tremendous ambassador for Southern Miss. So with all that said, today interview is interviews with the one and only my quarterback, Lee Roberts. Lee, how you doing, man?
1: Man, I'm doing well, man. It's an it's an honor to be on uh, here with you. Obviously, we talk all the time, but this is this is really special. I mean, everything that you've done, getting this show off the ground, and what you and your wife have been able to accomplish, man, it's it's great. So I, I look forward to great things happening there. But man, it's an honor to sit down and talk with you for sure, man.
0: Oh man, we got so much
1: history. There's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of stories to be told, man. And uh, <laughs>
0: but thank you for the kind words with the show. You know, when a lot of people uh, see you on ESPN right now, you know, being the play-by-play guy for numerous sports with Southern Miss for the past eight years. Working with John Cox for nine years as the voice of color commentary for Southern Miss football, but when I think of Lee, I think of nineteen ninety six East Carolina. We'll get into that. I promise you that, man. So, but uh, it all had to start somewhere. Pace Florida, Pace High School. Tell me about the high school days, man.
1: Man, it was uh, it, it was some years that were really fun. You know, you talk to your high school coach, and he always says, "Hey, you know, the high school years are something you don't want to ever just let go." I mean, it's it's a place where your teammates can kind of go back to and, you know, you can always reminisce. But honestly, my time at Southern Miss was was phenomenal. But you're right. It had to start somewhere. It started at pace. And, and it really started even before high school. My dad was my uh, little league football coach. I mean, we'll take it back to the peewee days a little bit. <laughs> you know, there was a stretch for five years. We went 40 and 0 in peewee football. So something something pretty special there. I mean, we were we were a team that would throw it. We'd run it. We had great defense. made made a lot of uh, made a lot of noise around the the panhandle of Florida, even a state championship as well. But you know, the high school days, man, under head coach Mickey Lindsey there at Pace High School was just phenomenal. Honestly, I I think back to the early '90s at you know what happened there at Pace. Had the opportunity to learn behind Thad Busby, a guy that went on to play at Florida State. We actually got to play each other in '96 as well, so that was another great. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, but. You know, high school at Pace, Florida, man, it was it, it was those years where you learned, you grew as a freshman. Obviously, I played on the freshman team. I had an opportunity that year, called up to play on the JV team. And man, I thought that was a big deal. Honestly, back then, man, bus ride right over to, to Mobile to play a JV team. And man, it, it was a little different. It was, Those guys were bigger, faster, stronger. And every level that you go to, that's just the way things are. And um, you know, just kind of led on to that point. And then obviously my sophomore year on the on the varsity, but again, playing behind Thad Busby, you know, just a a superstar in high school and all American there. And, you know, just learning from him, man. It was it was a lot of great years. Yeah,
0: but you had a name for yourself pretty fast, man. One example in particular, you know, everybody knows about the Manning Passing Academy that goes on annual around here. Well, the uh the Bowden Passing Academy was going on in your neck of the woods. And a cool story about that, you won the upperclassman. Award for the best quarterback at the camp, but there was a junior high quarterback there too. Our current Southern Miss uh, football coach, Will Hall, man, who was the best junior high guy. So you got you two have been knowing each other for a while, man. Talk about that little synergy right there.
1: Well, you know, the first time I got to meet Coach Hall when he came on campus for his uh, press conference. You know, when when we first sat down and chatted, that was the first thing he really brought up was was then. You know, um, as adults, we all think we're the same age, right? And he said that he was looking up to me as a middle schooler, looking to a high schooler. Kind of, kind of stung just a little bit. But no, it's it's really cool that Coach Hall and I have that opportunity to go to way back to when he was in, in middle school and I was in high school. And and honestly, I'll say this, man: the the Bowden Academy. I mean, there was a lot of great quarterbacks and wide receivers that went through there. Obviously, the the Bowden family did a great job um, coaching those guys up. My high school coach, you know, packed us up and took us every year. So I went three years to the Bowden Academy, a couple years at Samford, one year at Auburn. Um, that was when Terry Bowden and uh, Tommy were there. But man, just a, a great camp. But, but yeah, just the, the honor to, to to win that award it was it, it was amazing. It, it really was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: that's a tremendous award, and you got a lot of recognition, man. D one started calling some offers. So
1: uh, how'd you wind up at Southern Miss? Man, it's a it's it's kind of a long story, you know. You so you, you take these unofficial recruiting visits, right? So I live in the Panhandle of Florida, you know. So there's Florida, there's Florida State, there's Alabama, there's Auburn. You have to be rooting for one of those teams when you're living down there. So every weekend I'm headed to one of those schools. Try not to go to Florida State a whole lot because I knew that's where Thad was going to go. I didn't want to go back and and back him up. And and honestly, I, I went to Auburn probably the most, and it really was because of the Bowden Academy. Tommy Bowden and I really began a relationship there and he recruited me. And again, it wasn't anything that I did on the high school field because I wasn't able to play really until my senior year, as far as a starter. Um, but, but a lot of success there finished, finished my high school career. Um, really no offers. I, I had a visit to Samford university in Birmingham and got an opportunity for Mike Tollison to come down and talk to coach, um, Mickey Lindsay, came over on an official visit. Coach Bauer came and visited me in my home. I mean, so a lot of special things I can think about at Southern Miss back to my high school days. And, you know, really it's it's about connections. It's about coaches knowing each other, communication. Again, I was not a guy that just lit it up in high school. We didn't throw it a ton. We were more of a, a ground and pound type offense. We could throw it when we wanted to. I had some great receivers, don't get me wrong. But again, my stats are not what, what got me that scholarship to Southern Miss. It was, it was connections. It was coach Tollison, you know, looking at the film and then obviously the meeting with coach Bauer was, was phenomenal as well. And so I, my junior year I actually came over with my biology teacher uh, who's since passed away. Miss Charlotte Eubanks came over with uh, a friend of mine, her and her daughter just brought us over for a game. She was from so-so Mississippi and wanted to kind of just show us the around campus, Honestly, my high school was red, white, and blue. My competitor, my uh, arch enemy was black and gold. So at the time, I was not a black and gold fan. And I was in the stands at Southern Miss, and she caught a picture of me with a black and gold pom-pom. And that one right there was one to one to remember for sure. So, And again, that wasn't what made my decision to come to Southern Miss. It was really the, the relationship that I was able to build with Coach Bauer, the visit in the home, and obviously when I came over – for my official visit that, uh, I believe it was February that year. Just loved Hattiesburg, man. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a great place. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to come to school, big time atmosphere. Uh, just a lot of great things happening when I was here and I was just honored and uh, thrilled to get the scholarship for sure.
0: Yeah. And Southern Miss is honored to get you on board. So 94, your red shirt, man, just kind of get that year under your belt. I shirt in 93, but uh, you know, we become teammates right around that time, man. And What's neat about your uh, your class when they came in, you had four quarterbacks in that quarterback class. Uh, you had you, a couple others, but the name Patrick Sertan was being included as a quarterback. Wound up being a pretty good DB, obviously, though. But, man, that had to be neat looking back. Like, Sertan was kind of being looked at a quarterback.
1: I mean, he was a stud in high school coming out of car High School in New Orleans as a quarterback slash DB. Well, you know, it's funny when, when you're getting recruited, the coaches they say all the right things, right? I mean, obviously, Coach Bower wanted. He said we need somebody to come in and play right away. We had a um, a guy that had played a couple of years, but really the offense was was struggling. Um, so I thought I had a chance to come in and, and play early, honestly. And I I get on campus and I hear about this guy Patrick Sertain. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! This is who I I have to go against. I mean, this guy. But then immediately shifted him to the defense. So it was a little bit of a relief. Uh, but yeah, we brought in four quarterbacks that year and just a a really talented class that signed in 94 and again, honored to be part of it, but, but yeah, some great teammates, obviously you and I, we go way back, lots of, lots of fun memories and, you know, glad we're able to carry on that uh, relationship as well, man. Oh, heck yeah. We're going to get into a lot of those stories, but uh, so your red
0: shirt 94, 95 goes on. You're kind of a backup quarterback right there and heading into the spring of 96 and we will get into something there, but there was a buzz. I remember, man, the wide receivers were talking, the tight ends were talking like the best ball is thrown by Lee Roberts, but somehow you're still backing people up. There was a big buzz about you, man. Um, and, and how'd that feel though? Knowing I might have the best ball here, but dang, I'm still a backup.
1: You know, again, the one thing my dad always said, if he could change something about me would be my height. He said, I, I wish you could have been a little taller. And when I got on campus, that was kind of what I thought, too. I was like, I, could I do? I feel like I had all the things I needed to, to be successful, but I wished I could have been a little taller, right? So I had to make up for it one way or the other. And so, you know, whether it was getting the ball out of my hands quicker, being able to move my feet in between uh, big linemen or whatever. But, but you're right, man. I, I felt like when I got on campus that I could come in and compete and play right away. Got the red shirt. Very, very glad I was able to red shirt you know, one focus on school, just kind of get things acclimated to what college life was all about. And then, yeah, 95 came, was actually the backup. Heath Graham had been named the starter partway through my freshman year. And I really felt like, okay, this is about to happen again. I'm going to be behind a guy that's one year ahead of me. Are you kidding me? There was no transfer portal. Not that I would have gotten in it, you know, but I, that, that just made me work a lot harder because I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit. I didn't want, I didn't come to Southern Miss to hold a clipboard and to sit. I wanted to play. And, you know, so I did. I kept working, man. It was going against some great defenses, the John Thompson defense. I mean, you never knew where those guys were. I mean, you know, hard hitting, fast defenses moving around, I felt like just made me better. And really, like the pass skill, you know, going against some of the best DVs in the country really, really made me, I feel like a, a better passer indeed. So you talked about 90, 95, and I got to mention this as well. Chris Windsor comes in, you know, the start of Duco oh, All American. I remember yeah. Chris So Duco All American. So we bring Chris Windsor in. And again, it's like a slap in the face. Obviously, you want to bring the best guys in at, at all times, but again, a kind of a slap in the face. So I was a backup guy in 95, going to 96. I'm listed as number three guy because Chris Windsor is there now. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So again, just continue to work harder, man. I mean, that was that was part of it. I mean, I was a guy that didn't want to sit. I, I I tried to be as patient as I could, but I was committed. I was dedicated. Man, I'd come home, have conversations with my dad. I'd call my high school coaches. I was frustrated because I felt like things were going in the right direction. I just, but I just wasn't getting that shot, you know. But but ninety six is coming. Yeah, your time is coming, man. Let let's let's talk a little bit off the football field for a second too, because. Uh, you know,
0: you, your wife are a power couple, man. So let's get to spring of 96, you and your high school sweetheart, man, y'all decide to, uh, tie the knot, you know, how was that? You know, you got all this football stuff going on, but man, I'm, I'm getting married too. How was that all uh, going on all at once, uh, heading into that 96 season?
1: Well, you know, when you, when you grow up, I, mean, I met Tracy in the eighth grade. So we really knew each other a lot in high school. Didn't start dating until our junior year. and and honestly. She, she had a plan to go to Auburn. She wanted to be a pharmacist. She was going to go to Auburn. She knew I was getting recruited by Auburn that w- that didn't help make her decision. You know, but then I go and sign a scholarship to Southern Miss, and here she is having to make a choice. Do I do, do I go be a war eagle? Or do I go be a golden eagle? You can see what she what she chose. She chose to be a golden eagle. And, and honestly, man, and I don't even know if you know this, so we we got engaged our, after our first semester. you know, so we're on campus one semester, we go home for Christmas. And get engaged, so that was January of 1995, and then get married a year later in in uh, March of 1996. So, you know, again, I I don't know if I would recommend that just to anybody, but I felt like us as a couple, that was what we needed as as a couple. I mean, I felt like her kind of being in my in my corner as my supporter. Uh, we tried to hang out as much as we could, but yet I still had curfew, and so. You know, I'd be with her. I'd get home for curfew, and then I had to worry about the studies. And you know, I was here first to be a, a student, so I made sure that I took care of that. But we just felt like once we got married, things really just started to kind of smooth out. Um, obviously, after that was when I was kind of name starter. So yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll give I'll give her a little credit on that, man. Yeah, well, maybe you know, good luck
0: charm right there. But you two are definitely a power couple. When people see you around you in Hattiesburg, they light up. But I do want to ask you a question, man. You know, there was an interesting dynamic with all that on the football team that we were on together. You know, majority of the guys are single. We're kind of doing our thing, you know, our single thing. And, you know, you're married, man. Uh, how was that being a married guy, plus with the pressures of the quarterback position at a D1 level? I mean, how how was all that take, taking all that on?
1: You know, it, I felt like it kind of took some pressure off because I didn't have to worry about the the dating scene. I didn't have to worry about you know, who, who who was out there? Not that not the people were, were really interested in me, you know, but I really did feel like it took the pressure off. But you could also kind of flip it to the other direction is like, okay, here's a guy that's focusing on his marriage, but yet he's here to play football as well. How does he kind of grow and gel with those guys? I mean, I made sure that the business was taken care of, right? I mean, you know, I made the workouts, I made the practices, all the stuff in the off season want to make that a priority as well so it it was a balancing act indeed and you know I feel like you know being a student athlete and being married at the same time really helped propel me into my future and, and really just helped me in my success so yeah that
0: dynamic of you man it's just uh one of the big reasons even back then I admired, look up to you, man, just the way you handled yourself and you're married on top of it. Like, how does Lee do all this with all this pressure of being a <laughs> D1 quarterback? But so let's get into 96, man. So the talent's picking up with us. You know, we're feeling a little bit better about ourselves. Game one, we beat Georgia 11 to 7. I mean, look at that score, people. It's pretty much a defensive slugfest 11 to 7. So we're getting into the season getting to about game five, getting close to it, and, and the quarterback position just wasn't where it needed to be. I mean, we were 4-1, and one, but the quarterback position, I can't repeat again, was not where it needed to be. And like I said, the buzz was Lee Roberts is the best quarterback on this team, and finally, head coach Jeff Bauer listen, and you got your shot on the most special of nights that I love to talk about, Thursday night, ESPN, 1996, at East Carolina, and uh, I'll just – let you take over the story, man, because uh, I don't want to tell the whole thing because
1: your first start, what a magical night you put on, man. Well, it, it, it couldn't have gone any better, I'll be honest with you. You know, but like uh, kind of take a step back in 95, we talked about me being the backup guy, right? So I had an opportunity to come in and do some mop-up work, had some opportunity to throw some passes. I completed more passes in 95 than I did in 96 up until that point. I think the only pass maybe I had attempted – was at the holder position on a fire. Okay. So I may have been, I may have been 0 for 1 before I went in a, as the starter, but it just goes to show you the confidence the coaches have in you. And again, what you do in practice hopefully will correlate to the games. And uh, and I feel like that is what happened to me. So again, I just attribute it to hard work, dedication, just continue to try to press forward. But yeah, Coach Bauer, man, he had the opportunity to make a quarterback change. Everybody in the world thought it was going to be Chris Windsor. And when he named me the starter, he took a lot of heat for it. And he'll tell you today, I mean, he, he took a lot of heat for it. But um, so although he made the, made the decision, it was Coach Norman Joseph, who was my offensive coordinator, who actually made the phone call. Coach Joseph calls me, says, hey, he wants to meet with me. This was, you know, on a Monday on an open week. And I'm like, what in the world? I feel like I'm getting called to the principal's office, right? I mean, I honestly had no idea what was going on because I knew I was listed technically as the third string guy. Well, Coach Joseph calls me in his office and says, uh, says he says, Lee, we've we've talked as an offensive staff. We feel like it's a, a need to make a, a change at the quarterback position. And again, I'm sitting here thinking, man, we're four and one. Yes, we beat Georgia earlier in the year, but yet we're ready to make a quarterback decision. Our only loss is to Alabama. Well, indeed they do. and you know, it, it it was, it was an unbelievable day for me. Again, coach, coach Joseph relays the information. I immediately go home, tell my wife, I get on the phone. I call my dad. There's one of my special high school coaches who was also a baseball coach of mine. I called him. I mean, so many people I was able to call and just, you know, thank for, you know, their support and this and that, but man, 1996 at East Carolina, you know, Marcian, I was, I was again, fortunate because I had a little extra time, you know, it was a, we had a full week of practice, and then a little over half a week because we had the open week. So about ten or eleven days of preparation. I remember guys like you coming up to me and giving me support. I mean, it just endless, endless teammates coming up and uh, giving giving me pats on the back, pats on the butt, just saying, "Hey, we got you. You're with us. You're the guy. Let's let's go lead this team." And that's what I did. I tried to I tried to do that, man. And I remember my first pass at East Carolina got the snot knocked out of me. I remember my wristband actually came off my arm, and I had to go back and pick it up. Wait, Lee, you got hit so hard, your wristband flew off. (laughs) Yes, I got hit so hard, my wristband (laughs) flew off my wrist. I had to go pick it back up because, you know, because I had certain plays on it, right? So I had to had to go pick it up so we get ready for that next play. But um, I mean, just a a magical night. My family was there. My uh, wife rode up with her family. My parents were able to make the trip as well. John Cox. He kind of tells a story that he remembers right before kickoff. He sees the Roberts clan finally piling in. I mean, it was a it was a long drive from Pace, Florida, to to Greenville, North Carolina, there at East Carolina. But again, a magical night. Um, I I can even remember Wednesday night at the hotel, walking around with Coach Joseph, just him just trying to calm my nerves, and you know, going on the field early, just trying to calm my nerves. It's you know, so so much emotion in your first start. But honestly, I think the best thing that could have happened to me was. To get a hit as hard as i did that first play and then from that point forward i'm like hey let's just go let's just go do what you're what you're used to doing and, and play the game you love and that's exactly what i did
0: golly that's an amazing way to put that from a quarterback position it's like a boxer you know they get hit that first time that snaps them into that zone okay we're fighting right. sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to get hit man i mean i know right. as a linebacker what that first hit all right let's go so that's funny you put it like that but man what a magical night you had 13 straight completions, you finished 14 out of 16, just a monster performance, we're all hamming it up in the camera on ESPN with the big win in Greenville, South Carolina, thanks to that magical alarm from Lee Roberts that night, so we're known for defense, though, quite a bit back in the 90s, I know some of the stuff we did on defense, man, and we're chugging along with the season, we got our quarterback now, you're doing great things, and we get to week week uh, 10, man, and uh, at Houston, <laughs> we're 8-1, you know, we're, we're top 20, and all of a sudden, we forget how to play defense and how to tackle people, and uh, you put on a show. Almost 400 yards of offense set a school record. Kendrick Lee, wide receiver, set a school record for receiving yards. You guys are doing their thing, and we can't do a thing and lose 56 to 49 in overtime, man. It, it was just – Lee, that one hurts, man, to this day.
1: It, <laughs> we let it, you it, down it, on defense. It, it 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 stings, and not because of y'all letting anybody down. You didn't. I mean, offense had their, had their struggles throughout the year, but – I mean if you remember we came up just short. I mean inches, foot maybe.
0: Brandon Francis the
1: swing pass, yeah. Yes, it was a swing pass to Brandon Francis and you know just comes up a little short but you know I think I think everything happens for a reason. I mean they they gave us the motivation for for the next year, you know. I mean obviously we wanted to win the conference USA outright. You know back in 96, you know we were we were just uh, in an alliance with Conference USA. Or no no no. In '95, we were in an alliance. That 96, was the alliance. '96, yep. '96 was the first year, so they only sent one team to the to a bowl game. And man, you're talking about stinging, right? I mean, you're you're technically co-champs of the conference, but yet you're sitting at home at Christmas watching everybody else play. And man, it just it just kind of led to the '97 season, right? Lee, Lee, some some old <laughs> old wounds don't heal, man. If there's one thing that doesn't <laughs> heal very well.
0: It's that '96 season. We finished eight and three. You know we're top twenty some of the season. Uh, conference co-champs. Only one team from Conference USA went to a bowl, and that was the champ. And unfortunately, it was Houston that year. So some wounds just don't heal, man. Some wounds man. just
1: don't heal. <laughs> That's
0: definitely one no. Of
1: them. <laughs> yeah, but well, for- fortunately, as I'm looking past your head, I'm seeing that Liberty Bowl behind you. So yeah, we're
0: gonna get in all if, this. If stuff. we
1: could see in the future, we we, we get all this stuff. We would know good things are coming, but yeah, man. I mean, that was that was a tough year. It was, man. I mean, you know, making a quarterback change, just really having a. I mean, again, the way you started beating Georgia and then losing the final two games of the year, it was, it was tough. I mean, a, a very good Houston team and then a Florida State team. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With the Florida people, State people still ask me, say, Lee, what what was the toughest game as far as being hit? your career and immediately I have to talk about the 96 Florida State team and man I mentioned earlier that I played against played with Thad Busby in high school so Thad was a starting quarterback on that team so you know that that was a game where I was looking forward to as well you had a lot of guys from Pace Florida that that uh, made the trip down to Tallahassee and they had shirts made up that were half garnet and gold half black and gold that had you know a, a picture of a quarterback on both sides for Lee and Thad it was just a kind of kind of a neat deal that that got the better end of the deal that night of work done had a big night right but um man Peter Bul Renard Wilson and Andre Wadsworth three names that were all in the same defensive line that were coming at us all night long that was yes, <laughs> know all that night. Just, you nice you took a was, question
0: from me I was, was going to ask you what the hardest hit yeah. hardest defense but I do remember it had to be that Florida State team they were loaded with number one the pick on the defensive line, Wadsworth, NFL draft picks all over, the no. offensive defensive side of the ball. I mean, it, they were loaded, man. I mean, we wow. hung in there in the first half. We did. It was 14, 14 late in the first half. And,
1: but then they just took over. man. Well, my kids, my kids asked me about being, you know, some of the hardest hits. So I, I kind of share that story with them. Sometimes they're like, who are those guys? You know, who who are they? I'm like, just go look them up, you know? And you kind of said it first rounder, first rounder, second rounder. I mean, those yeah. guys were, they were unbelievable defensive linemen and, All on the same defensive line at one time, man. Impressive. Absolutely. But still finish eight and three, you know, and don't get to go bowling, which set the tone for the
0: next season, the slogan we had. But I kind of want to take a break from this, man, and uh, talk about our leader, you know, Coach Jeff Bauer. How was it for you personally at the quarterback position? Because he was
1: more on the offensive side of the ball. How was it personally for you being coached by head coach Jeff Bauer? You know, it was neat because, you know, I had two different coordinators. I had Norman Joseph my first couple years and then Larry Keck my next two years you know, so you get very close with the coordinators, but coach Bauer, man, he, he, he was my dad away from, away from home. I mean, he really was, he was a guy that came and sat in my living room and he looked my parents in the eyes and said, he was going to take care of me. And he, and he did. And, you know, just a a special guy. I mean, a special man, a guy that I'll, I'll always look up to. And, and again, we had that bond as well because he was a a quarterback at Southern Miss and, you know, you just kind of, you, you wear those jerseys, man, you just have that bond and, one that will never be broken. You know, so, man, I could go on and on talking about Coach Bauer, but just a- as a person, as a coach, you know, just kind of on the field, off the field, a guy that, you know, we kid with him about, you know, saying, hey, a- academics is second, first, <laughs> academics is. Yeah, school first, football That's second. Yeah, school first, right. football So I had to, <laughs> had to think about it there, but, you know, obviously he – he, he, he just kidded with that. But he was a guy that made you go to class. I mean, they they checked up on you and they wanted you to excel oh, on yeah, the field yeah. as well as off the field. And I man, just a, a great leader. And it, it speaks volumes of what he was able to do at Southern Miss. And, um, you know, until he finished his career, you know, late in the early 2000s, man, Coach Bauer will, will forever be one of the greatest coaches at Southern Miss. Yeah. And
0: then in all college football, you asked me everything he did, man. And uh, my first show that I, Put this one together as a no-brainer for uh, Jeff Bauer to be my first uh, interview. So I was so blessed to do that and tell his story. But, man, so we're getting back on the football field, this 1997 season, man. Let's call it what it is. We knew we were good. We knew we were going to be good. Right. We were The goals we were going to set, either 10, 11, 12 wins for the season, you know, we didn't quite get there. But we knew we were going to be good, man. And the theme of that season was unfinished business. And if you looked at the schedule, circle that Houston game. That was the one. I'm, I'm sorry,
1: man. So, what was your mindset heading into that '97 season, knowing we were we were going to be pretty good, man? You know, we were. I mean, because we had, you know, we kind of had our offense in place. I know we lost we lost a few guys on the offensive side, but man, we had some had some studs coming up. You know, we had had a couple running backs back, a couple young wide receivers. Offensive line was really really good defensively. I felt was salty. You know, <laughs> salty. you there in the you there in the center, man. I mean. It You know, they talk about the nasty bunch, man. I mean, we had the nasty bunch back in, you know, that those years for sure. So, yeah, we, kn- we knew we were going to be good, but we knew we had some business to take care of. And, you know, we had to put 96 to bed. We had to, had to just put it to bed and you know, had to press forward because it started on on day one in August when we started and got on campus. And, you know, back then we had two-a-days. These guys today, they don't know what two-a-days are. But, um, man, just just thankful for those times. I mean, bonds made, memories made sweat, blood, tears, you know, grinding it out because we knew what we wanted. You know, the only thing we fell short is, you know, we had three, three losses that year, but to really, really good football teams, but we we're able to run the conference, beat Houston at home. Man, and Look, actually, let, let, let's not get
0: too far ahead of ourselves. I, I do want to break a few things down if you don't mind. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to set the tone for that season. So, okay. you know, people do say that 97 team, I've heard it a lot. Many people say that's arguably the best team in Southern football history. I'm not arguing with them. I don't, I don't think you'll argue with them immediately. Yeah, I'm not going to so, argue. No. Nah. So, but, but the tone of that season, people understand we played four home games back then. We had four that year, so you know we had an uphill fight, definitely getting a lot of wins, but Lee, I'm going to bust your chops a little bit because, yeah, we didn't show up in that 96 Houston game on defense, but let's get <laughs> that first game, 97, man. We're playing at Florida, defending national champs. Lee, we get a little more offense.
1: I know. We get a win on
0: prom time ESPN against Florida, so... You can always point fingers with
1: Houston, but come on, man, a little more offense. I know. I agree. What happened
0: in Florida, Lee? What happened? Well,
1: you know, I mean, you, you talked about how, how good we were and we knew how good we were. But, yeah, you, you never want to start the season 0-1, and that's what happened. And, man, you had to, you had to sit back and think, man, what, what do we have to do? We, we knew going down to the swamp wasn't going to be easy. You said it, defending national champs, playing against a top-tier SEC team on national television. Yeah, we came, came a little short. You know, yeah. defensively we we did well. Uh just one touchdown offensively, but man, just a, a a tough afternoon in the swamp for sure. And again, I think you I think you just start to try to build on every game from that point forward. And you know, we didn't start like we wanted, man. So we had to had to figure things out quickly. Yeah, heck yeah. And we did next week, smashed Illinois on national TV SPN. So, you know, we we knew we
0: were good and Got a game coming up, and I do want to talk about this, uh, the Nevada home game. My first game of the season in 1997. And, you know, head coach Jeff Bauer means the world to you, means the world to me. I mean, just an absolute father figure mentor to us. And, you know, his daughter Kristen was almost like a little sister to a lot of us on the football team. And she was always around, just a a special family member for us all. And, And unbelievably tragic news. You know, you remember just the week of the Nevada game, you know, we got word of her passing. And um, you know, it's it's hard to talk about still to this day, bring it up. But um, you know, to watch Coach Bauer man up and just stand up and just be strong for us. And, you know, I will never forget that Lee. And I, I don't want to tell my full side of it because this is your interview, but man, we'll tell you tell the vibe if you don't mind it. Just that week leading up to Nevada and, and just that, that horrible news we all got, man.
1: You know, again, it's just one of those things you just you never want to see. a a parent go through you never want to see a parent have to bury their own child and you know unfortunately that was what what happened here and you know just uh, a a tough night I mean Kristen a a beautiful young lady uh, had the world ahead of her but the Lord called her home and you know to see the way Coach Bauer and Miss Debbie responded you know just I mean, their, their faith and just how they believed. And I mean, they still had Stephanie, so they had to be strong for Stephanie as well. She was, you know, she was a little younger at the time, but man, for him, and I don't even think he missed practice, you no, know, so, so for him to, to be able to, to keep his focus, I mean, he may have missed some meetings and some planning, but yet he had a staff in place that could help do that, but man, he didn't miss practice. And, and I gotta, I gotta say, man, that is a tough, tough thing. For him to do but maybe mentally that was just the thing he had to do was to keep his focus and to try to keep going with what he knew what was best and I mean he knew he couldn't change the situation but man you got to give a a lot of credit coach Bauer for the for the focus and the dedication because he knew too I mean he knew what we went through in 96 and he knew we were you know had some unfinished business and and he he wanted to leave it all on the table for us as well And, and he did man it was a very very tough time but Man, he never wavered. He was always there for us. He was uh, strong at practice, but he had a, he had a great support staff as well. Oh, absolutely. Talking to week
0: one of this show about you know her death, and uh, you know I really got a strong feeling, just like I felt back then. He he needed a shoulder to lean on. That shoulder was us, man. And and all we did was hold him up that week. And Nevada didn't stand a chance that week. We're in all black, you know. And uh you know I, I was salty. Almost got thrown out the games. It's, you know, you know I get sometimes, but but we uh, you know. Took care of them, man. And uh, and we took care of a lot of people that season. And I want to take a quick break, too, with uh, talking about a couple of players you played with, man. We had a thunder and lightning show in the backfield. Harold Shaw, the train, Eric Booth, arguably the fastest guy in college football. How is it having those two guys in the backfield, the,
1: the thunder and lightning express, man? We know, honestly, it it took away from our passing game is what it did. But I was okay with it, man. I was okay with it. I'm, I'm like you. I wanted to see the wins on the win column come up. I didn't care about, you know, if we had rushing yards or passing yards or if it was defensive touchdowns or special teams, I didn't care. You know, I felt like, you know, we had 22 guys playing football, you know, 22 starters at, at any given time. And, Man, to have those guys in the backfield, man, it was it was impressive. And and you you look back at those guys and what they were able to accomplish. And you know, I can't think of another tandem in the backfield. You know, maybe maybe all Auburn had um you know Cadillac Williams and Ronnie um losing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I know but, you're talking about. that but, duo, they, they had a they had a duo uh running backs as well. But man, I, I can't really ever remember. Two like Harold and, and E Booth, man, that were just as studs as they were and in kind of a different style. I mean, Booth wasn't small, you know. No. Harold was a big back. He'll run over you, but they could all he could also run by you. But man, you talk about the speed of Booth, man. He was he was something as well. And a, a kickoff return specialist, super, super um impressed backfield for sure. And you know, I kidded about taking away the the passing game. The passing game came. We had some studs out there as well. But man, the the running backs. I loved handing the ball off and just watch them do their thing, man. Oh, heck yeah, man. But
0: one thing that's maintained through this 97 season after East Carolina, man, we had stability in you at the quarterback position. We finally had a guy. We didn't have anything to worry about. Just go do our thing, you know, because Lee Roberts is under center and things get tough. He's going to handle business and we handled business all through the season, man. And it got, you know, all the way to that Houston game that we head circled, man, at the Rock. You know, we win this, we win Conference USA, we get to the Liberty Bowl. The unfinished business slogan is right here. Uh, what was your mindset going into this Houston game? Because
1: I know I was, I, mean, I was ready. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I was, I was ready too. I mean, it was, it was a year of '96 that I didn't want to happen again. So I made sure that the offensive side took care of theirs. Their part, I knew you guys on the defense were going to take care of your part as well. And man, I, it, it was a it was a great week of preparation. And again, it was something that we had circled on that calendar, and we knew that it you know the conference USA championship was going to run through Hattiesburg, but we had to run through Houston to, for it to happen. And when they came to our house, man, it we we did we took care of business just, and it, it was never never even close, man. I felt like we just dominated you know, in all three phases of the game and, and really showed Houston who the best team of the conference was that year. Yeah, man, beat them 33 to nothing. And I think the score could have been worse. But when I
0: think of that game, too, which really solidified that season, when you say the hit. Oh, man. And if you're talking about a swing pass that Houston tried and Patrick Sertan, our cornerback, our stud cornerback, read it fast and literally, Lee, you Remember, knock the teeth. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could that wide he receiver. He's, the... he's getting up, he's picking up his teeth. You know, I hate to laugh about it, but man, right. it just that's how bad we wanted to beat Houston. Oh, that's tan
1: to hit. You're <laughs> not lying. I mean, that hit today probably would have been he'd have been fined or ejected. I mean, yeah. whatever. That ain't working today. <laughs> but but no, in ninety seven, man, it was it was legit. I mean, I remember we, we used to give the big hit award, man. And and I know he got it for that week indeed, but yeah, to knock somebody's tooth out, man. I mean, that's that's not not just tooth. Teeth. Yeah, I mean knocking his teeth out, man. That's that's serious right there. I mean, mm-hmm. It just goes to show you the kind of player Sertain was and again just uh it, it was just it was meant to be for that 97 team, Southern Miss team for sure. Heck yeah, man. And we finished 8 and 3, you know, top 25 and
0: and we get to what's considered the standard for Southern Miss football at that point, and that's getting to the Liberty Bowl and uh, to play Pittsburgh and for whatever reason just because Pittsburgh was from a bigger conference or what have you all this p5 talk what have you you know they they really i thought took us a little light lee corso picked against us on espn that day uh we talk about the tone heading to that liberty bowl man because uh
1: kind of showed the nation just how good southern miss was at that point you know they we really did i mean it was a great week it really was i mean if i going back to that week man i had a little bit of laryngitis you know, so we, we actually at practice had to work on some hand signals for me to call the cadence. You know, I fortunately was able to get my voice back by game time, but I mean, it was just, we we weren't going to let anything just stop us. You know, the, the Houston game, we took care of business. We knew we needed to, to get through Pittsburgh and we did. I mean, the Liberty Bowl, people didn't, people didn't believe of it, believe in us outside of Southern Miss faithful. And man, did they show up? That was a uh, a Liberty Bowl that was packed full of Southern Miss fans, and a cold night. But man, a week, a week that it was just phenomenal. I can remember just, you know, different things we did. I mean, the bowls do a great job, you know, organizing the team functions. But I can remember fans down on Bill Street just talking the noise. They were nowhere to be found on December 31st that night, man, as we ring ring in the new year. They were nowhere to be found. I mean, Lee, if if I could bottle up this moment, I mean, I came out as team captain
0: before the game and I looked up and I just before Google, you don't know how many tickets are sold. How many people are going to be there. I knew it would be a big event, but I saw it come out the tunnel. and I look up at the stadium and there is a literal sea of 25,000 plus Southern Miss fans. And you know me, I'm like getting the crowd up and they are, this energy is coming down on me and I'm like, Holy, if I could sell that energy in that moment, but that was that crowd, that whole night, dude. And that was the definition of Southern Miss, if you ask me. That that 97 Liberty Bowl, man,
1: the fans, it was all one. It was the team. It was the fans. It was just It was incredible, man. Well, you know, and, and that's what's sad about, like, it is now. I mean, the conference champion doesn't go to the, the bowl game. They kind of change things up. But back when we were playing, man, I mean, that was the – it was the pinnacle for us. I mean, we knew that if we won the conference, we knew where we were going. Memphis was a place where we could travel a lot of fans and – and we did, man. I mean, it was it was what the guys did on the field. But, man, credit the fans as well, man. I mean, people talk about the passion of our fan base, and we've seen it in, in all sports. I mean, they travel. They get loud. They get rowdy. And, man, you, you feed off that, a lot of great things happen. And, uh, man, we'll get back to feeding, to filling the rock soon. But <laughs> I can remember some, some great times at the Rock and the Liberty Bowl, just seeing that sea of black and gold, man, just a, it's a special feeling, man. Yeah, that was a team effort, fans, players. I mean, one team right there. But I want
0: to talk about one thing, too, with you, too. When I think of you, I actually think of two things, Lee. I think of 1996 (laughs) at East Carolina when your magical arm just went off. And then I think of that play, first touchdown of the Liberty Bowl game, man. It is the most gorgeous football play you will ever see. Roberts play action on a post route to Gideon, and it's just this beautiful spiral. Gideon catches it. He turns the salute to Pinkston. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most beautiful football play you'll ever see, man. What does that play mean to you? Because I'll, I'll text you that every now and then. Just you know, i tweet it. It's just so cool. I can't get enough of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I do. I mean, I see that play all the time. And I mean, I can run it in the back of my head now. I mean, it was just... It was one of those play fakes to Harold Shaw in the backfield and you get your feet set and you, you got a one-on-one route with with Sharad Gideon down the middle. And I mean, he's a guy that we we just had some connection throughout the year. I mean, I kind of knew where he was going. He knew my thought process as well. But but that right there was just a, a a well-run route by Gideon and a pass. I just had to throw it up, let him go get it. But yeah, I can I can see that salute, man. It's all over, you know, Ooh. any kind of Southern Miss hype video. I mean, you can see the the Sharad Gideon salute. So special, but we talk right. about the, the two wide receivers, man. We talked about yeah, the- Lee, let, let's
0: get into that, man. That was actually my next question. And you read yeah. my mind. What was it like having to me the greatest wide receiver duo in Southern Miss history? Sherrod Gideon and Ty Pinkston. What was it like working with those
1: guys? Man, you three were just on point, man, when things were clicking. You know, the, it was it was as good as it could be, honestly. I mean, you got two guys, different type receivers. Sherrod was playing a split in. Um, Todd played the uh, the slot. On the other end, the flanker, you had Eddie Shaw, who's the brother of Harold Shaw. I mean, he had three receivers that were really, really good. But, man, just the connection that we had. And, you know, I talked about what, um, what Sherrod and I could do. But, man, Pink, he's a guy that's 6'3". He could stretch it out. You know, I remember he he saved me one of those passes in the Liberty Bowl. He went up and caught a ball that was high and ended up coming down and hitting himself right in the midsection with the ball. But, you know, those guys believed in me. I believed in them as well. You know, whether it was throwing out routes or throwing the ball deep, we just kind of knew, we kind of knew each other. And it really went back to, you know, just a lot of pass scale, a lot of one-on-one summer routes, just connection with those guys, again, back believing in each other, me believing in them. and. Man, a little talent helped as well. Those guys were were super talented for sure. Take nothing away from you. The prettiest
0: spiral deep ball in college football in my eyes. And like I said, that play that I just talked about, you to Gideon is it's just gorgeous. I can't get enough of it. It's like a beautiful. Uh, sky, clear sky, man. <laughs> <So laughs> That's what it is. If a football play can be gorgeous, that one is, Yeah, man. no, absolutely. So, but, I I so yeah, 97's it. done, man. My time's over, and, you know, I got to say goodbye, Lee, shed some tears, what have you, but what a great way to end it. But you still got more to go, man. And uh, heading into 98, man, we're a top 25 football team. At that point, we are the best, what they call, call now, group of five football program in America, if you ask me. But, man, it's anyone, anywhere, anytime, just like the name of this show. You guys are opening up at Penn State. In a home game against Texas A&M, man, how was that starting? That kind of, that kind of start. I mean, that's pretty rough, right there, man.
1: (laughs) It was, it it was rough. One going to Penn State was rough because I mean that was just a a very tough place to play. You know, we talked about filling the rock, you know, with black and gold, man. They had a lot of blue and white in there in their stadium that night, man. Just a a fun trip. The fans got to go enjoy, you know, the the Hershey plant. Some of the coaches did wives however but and it was a business trip for us guys and we just we fell a little short so we didn't really get started that year the way we wanted so similar to 97 losing game one you know normally you want to play a play a team where you can try to win Southern Miss anyone anywhere anytime as you just said it I mean we'll play we'll play anybody at, at <laughs> any given time yeah yeah and we I mean, starting out with defending national champion in 97 starting out with Penn State in 98 man it just it yeah. puts a pressure on us guys for sure but uh, a, a a tough loss on the road, but and, and then you mentioned the A and M game, man. Really. And,
0: and, and really want to break that down if you don't mind, Lee. Uh, so leading up to that game, man. Speaking of pressure, you got all these things going on being a D one quarterback, man. You you know you got an unbelievable wife. Things are going great, man. And but, but uh, I actually heard an interview with you. You had to keep a pager on you at practice <laughs> the t- the week of Texas AM and M game because you you don't know because Tracy's pregnant. This baby could be born anytime man. It's, Right. Talk about that week trying to focus on beating Texas A and M, but man,
1: I got a baby on the way. I got a pager on me at practice, man. <laughs> so we lived, So we lived. We lived off campus, and I used to ride my bike, you know, to campus, and you know, every every day I did. And yeah, I wore a pager. You know, cell phones really were not a big thing back then, so it didn't really have you know that communication. So I, I would wear that pager, except at practice, I'd give that pager to to Pat Stewart. Pat was the the wear of the pager, so that. Right. When and that's our head
0: equipment manager. Everybody
1: do not know our head yes. equipment. <laughs> so Pat, who is now married to his wife Ty, she was working in the athletic facility. So he was inside the facility that Tuesday afternoon at practice when the pager went off, and when I saw him running across the field holding that pager up, I knew what was happening. Okay, I mean we were we were not quite full term, and we were just a a week and a half shy but a, a healthy, a healthy baby boy indeed. But man, when Pat was running across the field, I was like, what in the world? I turned to coach Larry Keck. I said, I'm gone. And again, I was on my bike. So I had to have somebody carry me to the, to the apartment real fast. So they carried me over there. I showered, I hustled up to the hospital where Tracy had, had uh, already been admitted, but, and she, she drove herself to the hospital after visiting with her doctor that afternoon, he knew she was in labor, you know, talk about, a a tough one. Now she drove herself to the hospital in labor. Um, so man, I'm glad women, I'm glad women get to do that than us men. But I was, I was her support staff that, uh, that evening, but you talked about, you talked about pressure. It was a, it was a long night. So left practice, you know, four o'clock, maybe four 30, get to the hospital. You know, we didn't have Bren until in the wee hours of the next morning, uh, a long night, spent some time with them, Went home to get some rest because I knew I had class and practice and, you know, then had some news that um, that he had a little bit of a, you know, infection. So I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, it was really touch and go there for a little while. So you kind of add having a brand new baby to a 21, 22 year old kid in college that's trying to get ready for that win in Texas A&M. You talk about very, very tough. Um, I mean, the rest the rest of that week was was super tough. Uh, on that Friday, we used to always go to the movies after dinner. And uh, Coach Bauer let me, you know, skip movies that night, and go to the hospital, spend some time with Tracy and Brennan. So, and again, kudos to Tracy. She was in the stands that Saturday afternoon against A&M. So,
0: yeah, that was a big game, man. And uh, what what a week, what a story right there, man. You know, first of <laughs> being a D1 quarterback, oh, yeah, I got a baby on the way. And I got the wrecking crew from Texas A&M who were really good. Back then, coming at the Rock, and y'all played them tooth and nail, man. It was a tough game, they got the better of it, but uh, you know, that is what it is. So, but man, Lee, in your three years of being starting quarterback at Southern Miss, man, you lost two conference games. That's how good we were back then. That's how good Lee Roberts was back then, people. And uh, but unfortunately, one of those losses came in '98 against the Tulane team who wound up being magically good and go 12 and 0 and when I say Tulane didn't go 12 and 0 back then. They didn't go 12-0, and 0, but all of a sudden, everything went right there, man.
1: Man, how tough was that two-lane loss for you, man? You know, it was tough. We talked about, you know, that Florida State game in 96, just how many times I got hit. I got hit in that two-lane game, and I will never forget. You know, again, you talked about Pat Sertain's hit being one that would be uh, fined or ejected. You know, when I got hit, the you know, the defensive guy, he would have been ejected for sure. But, again, that, that just wasn't, wasn't part of football back then. Uh, A a tough loss, a game that I would literally I was I was knocked out of, didn't even get to finish the game. Uh, Jeff Kelly came in and finished the last last few minutes. But another close one, man, another close one. But uh, Tulane was able to get the the better end of us. And again, you just you kind of go through those growing pains, man. It's I think at the point at that point, we're one and three. You know, thinking, man, we're coming off a, a nine and three year last year. I mean, I know we lost some more but was he that good? No, I'm kidding. You know what? I, I,
0: I, I don't make this stuff up, Lee. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to start one and three, man, I mean that was just that was tough. So we had to kind of we had to kind of regroup, man, after I that. mean Lee,
0: look at the schedule. It's at Penn State top 20 team. I think there were 13 AM 17. And Tulane winds up being 12 and O Could have played for the national championship if there was a playoff back then. They would have actually probably. But uh the start was just. <laughs> That's about as
1: brutal as it gets as far as toughness, man. I agree. I agree. It was. It was tough. It was even tougher to, to be a senior on that team as well, man. <laughs> no, we were well, one and three. <laughs> but, but the thing
0: is, man, this is this, the, the magic of Lee Roberts, the toughness, the grit. Like we always say at Southern Miss Lee Roberts, you get everybody rallied up, get the troops together. You guys win six of the last seven. And uh I want to talk about. This last game to it, Nevada, man. I mean, you have put together such a career. You're shattering the record books. You're, you're in every statistical category you can name, passing yards, completion, whatever. So, man, it's getting to be the Nevada game. You guys are about to win. Hopefully, I tell a story right. You can finish it with, you know, whatever. And uh, you are going to this game with a great opportunity to beat Brett Favre's all time touchdown record. So, it gets to be late in the game. I think you guys are about to win. And because so, Coach Bauer pulse is starters. But, man, you are. One touchdown off of at least Brett Favre's record, dude. Right. Were you pissed at Coach Bauer? Like, wait, wait, or did you even know the record? I don't know, man. Because, I, like, are you yeah, one, I mean, one touchdown I, I
1: didn't even, I didn't even realize it was, it was, I was even that close. I mean, I may have known going in that I needed a few touchdowns or whatever, but that that was the furthest thing from my mind. Now, if you ask my parents, that may have been a a different thing, right? I mean, they wanted to see see it happen, but. You know, so he did. He pulled the starters out. I'm one quarter, I'm one touchdown shy of times uh, Brett's 52 uh, career touchdown record. And, you know, Nevada ends up scoring really quick. And so he quickly puts the starters right back in. And so offensively, we're able to march down the field. I ended up throwing the, my 52nd touchdown pass, you know, to, I believe it was Eddie Shaw um, and just phenomenal. You know, again, not knowing at the time that I was able to tie Brett Favre's career touchdown record but looking back i mean i thought that was just kind of a, a neat thing that you know you're pulled out then you're put back in then you have that opportunity again coach bauer didn't do it so i would get a record but um you know he's he, he's a coach that hey let's let's preserve these guys if we need we're not going to run up a score but he knew we needed to get in and get one more score and so we were able to Oh,
0: heck yeah, man. And time, Brett Favre for the all-time touchdown record was huge. I mean, Favre had just come off a Super Bowl win literally year before. So uh, y'all are in the same breath. Lee Roberts, Brett Favre, baby. Uh, so you guys do get a chance to go to a bowl. You know, unfortunately, Tulane just had this unbelievable season. I mean, 12-0. and I mean, who would have ever saw that coming? Or else you guys, for Conference USA champs, go to Liberty Bowl. Get to go to the Humanitarian Bowl, man. Got another bid to get two teams in, into a bowl. Man, the humanitarian bowl, speak of the character that Lee Roberts is, where I say I call him Captain America, he's literally my role model. My, my but he, I joke with you, but you know it's real, man. I've, I've said this in front of you, in front of people. And uh, But, man, you win a cool award that week, man. You win the Humanitarian Award, and it's presented by one of the greatest sportsmen of all time, D, uh, David Robinson of the N, legendary NBA player. How was that getting that award, man? Because, like I said, you, you're just Captain America to me, man. That, that just made sense
1: you know it was it was really cool and they and they did a really special thing that night I mean it, it was a banquet where both teams were there um, Idaho's running back also received the award so it was it was really really special for both of us to, to be to accept it but for David Robinson to to give it to us I thought that was I mean because he's a humanitarian as well um and just the things that he's been able to accomplish in in his life and career it, it was special it really was I mean to think about the the accolades, you know, that, that we had as a team that I was able to accomplish because of great teammates, but that, that award was really special right there. I mean, it just very, very good meaning. And I was honored to receive it humbled to receive it as well. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Unfortunately, you don't win the bowl game, but you, you do get MVP. I mean, that's
0: how good you were. And, and Southern Miss fans are sad that Lee Roberts career is over, man. I mean, you know, it's like, what are we going to do with the quarterback position now, you know, to really fill those shoes, you smashed record books at Southern Miss. You did, did everything you really could have, man, but so I get asked all the time, man, well, did Lee Roberts go to the NFL? You know, you know, was what team was he on? Because you were just that talented, man. So if you don't mind talking to me about uh, a couple NFL shots you had uh, there
1: after uh, after your career was over. Yeah. So I actually, before I graduated, I graduated that December. I started doing some interviewing um, with a couple of pharmaceutical companies and had gotten a job offer from, from Pfizer, my current company. And uh, so I, I had accepted it. So that was in... January of 1999, you know, the draft is not till April. So from January to April, all these athletes are, you know, they're they're training, they're working out, they're hiring agents, they're having a senior day, a pro day. They're doing all these great things when I'm over studying, you know, an antibiotic and I'm studying an antidepressant that I'm selling, I'm going to be selling, you know. So I say all that to say this, so I'm, I'm in the Atlanta regional office in the middle of training and get a call from um, Indianapolis. want to They want to fly me up to you know to try me out, and I had to had to woefully decline. And then I'm and then a, another time I'm I'm in a wedding for Frank Firestone, who was my center, uh, one of my greatest friends at Southern Miss as well. In his wedding, the week of Dallas calls wants to fly me out to you know try me out as well. I had to had to decline again, and and it wasn't because. I was in Frank's wedding. It wasn't because I was married. It wasn't because I had a kid and I had to provide for my family. I just felt like it was time to kind of hang up the cleats. You know I mean? i had finished my, my playing career with, uh, you know, a lot of great, a lot of great memories and really just felt like it was, it was time to hang it up and get out in the business world and, you know, see what it's all about. So, um, you know, fortunately, I mean, I'm able to walk no, no major injuries. And again, I I just feel like that was the plan God had for me. So again, honored to have the opportunity to be called to to go try out, but yeah, had to had to decline on those. So, oh heck yeah, man!
0: And I hang your hat on a tremendous Southern Miss football career. And and one of the cool things, man, in 09, we got inducted into the Hall of Fame together, man. I mean, that's just. I don't know what I was more excited about: me going to the Hall of Fame or me being inducted with my quarterback, <laughs> Lee Roberts. Man, dude, just what a special
1: night! What that mean for you, no 09 to get inducted to that Hall of Fame? Man, just super special. And I actually serve on the M Club board now, and I get to see all these different athletes as they're inducted. And man, it it again, just an an, an humbling experience, an humbling honor um to go in with a former teammate. I mean, it's just super, super special that you're thought of that well amongst the university and former athletes and the M club. I mean, to wear, to wear the black and gold. I know John, John will ask you all the time. What does it mean to wear the black and gold, man? It's, it's special. It really is. And, you know, just the, the teammates, the bonds, just the, the things that we do. um, We do a lot with the little and, you know, I don't take that with a grain of salt. I mean, it's the, it's the truth, man. We are able to accomplish a lot of great things. And again, you know, so my playing career, it really started back when I was, about six years old with my dad and it finished when I was 22 with as a dad with, uh, you know, a son and a wife. Um, but again, yeah. So 10 years or so later after my playing career is over, have that opportunity, man. Uh, very, very special. And to go in with you, it was, it made it an extra special night. That was awesome, man. And you're kind of hitting on something what it feels
0: like to be Southern Miss as I'm doing this show. I, I do fan comments and Lori Brechtel had a fan comment, not too, too longer that I loved explaining what it's like to be a Southern Miss fan. And she says, it's in a state where we're dealing with old Miss and Mississippi State, SEC stuff. It's like, we're audacious. Yeah. We go against the norm. And that's literally, it's easy to be an old Miss state fan. It is. Go ahead. Go do your thing. Absolutely. You go against the norm and you got this
1: grit. Yeah. I can't explain it, man. It's just, it's a cool thing to be a Southern Miss person. <laughs> no, I agree, man. And, and, and now, I mean, it's it's being preached on campus with uh, Dr. Joe Paul, our president. So he talked, he talks about that too. So you know, that grit, being audacious, man, setting audacious goals, it's its super special, man. Heck yeah, and, uh, and man, you are
0: just a tremendous ambassador for Southern Miss. Doesn't get much better. Uh, so for the past nine years, you've been working with John Cox up in the booth for Southern Miss football games, being the color guy, working with John as play-by-play. You guys are great. And then also for the past eight years, you've been doing ESPN as a play-by-play guy for numerous sports. So how's that been, man, giving
1: back to universities like that? Well, you know, I, I I never really thought commentating would, would kind of be in my blood. Um, I know if you ask like John, he, he knew from the get go, that's what he wanted to do for his career. You know, my dad was a, he, he was a PA announcer at my high school. And so I kind of knew that, but obviously commentating is, is totally different. And I actually had the, had the chance to commentate two high school games um, here, here at my kid's high school before I had the opportunity to go work with John on campus and, and man, it was, it was fun. I mean, you've, you've done it as well, I man. It's a, it's a different aspect. You get to sit and talk about the game you love and explain this and, you know, talk about why this happens and who does this. I mean, it's, it's a really, really cool thing. And then just to be able to work with John Cox, man, that's just a, that's a special I mean, thing as well. I, I, I mean, filled me... in for I
0: filled in for you last year. You had, you had right. a quick break and you wouldn't even know anything's wrong with you. Look at you now, you're Captain America, you're all healthy, back up, and <laughs> run, run. But no, I was, uh, Until you see it and you know it full force, until you see John Cox in the booth, the attention to detail, the the expertise he puts into that, until you're in that booth with him, you you can't earn enough respect for him for the for the job that man does and the effort he puts into putting the product out. It's I I was wild, I was wild by what he does.
1: Until I saw, and you've been seeing it for
0: nine years, man.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean if you if you have to learn from someone, man, he's the he's the greatest to learn from and you know, not, not only a great play-by-play guy, but he's, he's his own engineer too. So he, (laughs) he he manages everything throughout the game and, and just, you know, a special person, a special friend. I mean, obviously we had that, John and I had that relationship as a, as a player, um, you know, voice relationship, and now we're able to have it as commentator and a, and a voice relationship as well. And it's, it's been cool, man. I was able to take over for Vic Purvis who, um, who did it for 40 plus years. And now John's done the, the play-by-play role for you know forty-five years now. I'm thinking so, it's it's special, man. And it and it's just not sitting in the booth, man. It's it's being around the guys. It's being in the the locker room, being in the hotel, being on the trips with with the team, man. It's there. There was a time in my life because my kids really didn't play much football. They chose other sports, which was totally fine. Uh, there was just a time in my life where I was kind of away from the game, and and this brought me back and. So fortunate that, that John called and offered me this this type of position, man. It's it's super neat. Yeah, and speaking of super neat, super special. I actually
0: talked to you the day of you know, this basketball season, but the man, it was it was glorious, the biggest turnaround in division one basketball since 1974. And it all culminated in one night, and that Thursday night when the Raging Cajuns were at Reed Green Coliseum, a sellout. And I knew it was going to be a big deal. I was driving into Hattiesburg to see it and we talked earlier that day and I'm like, Lee, I'm, you are so lucky. You get to call this game, man. It is going to be eighties Eagle fever coming back. And it did. How was that calling that game, man?
1: It was, it was loud. And you can remember that <laughs> was me. When, I, was, I, was, I was, I was the loudest. <laughs> I mean, you can remember back when you're in school, man, there weren't many louder venues than re green Coliseum. when it was packed out. I'm in mean, a place that holds around 8,000 people. And, you know, they, we packed them out back in the nineties and, Man, this year against Louisiana, being able to pack it out again and a special win—you know, again credit the basketball team what they were able to do this year. Coach Ladner, just a, a great turnaround. Seven wins last year, twenty-five this year. You know, I was able to be a big part of that, being at every home game, calling those games. Uh, Larry Boyd and myself, man, it was it was fun. But there were none more fun than that Louisiana game that night. Just the the atmosphere, the whiteout, the students. Man, you I I would go back there any time. You talk about a you know going back to a sports event. I'd go back there at any given time, man. That was special,
0: man. I, I text Coach Ladner after the game. Unbelievable job, you know. I'll let you know what a great job you did calling on it when I watched it back. And and I, it's such it's so good for Coach Ladner. Nobody bleeds black and gold than Coach Ladner, man. When I had him on the show, uh, it was show three or four. I, I laughed. I saw his uh, interview when he first got the Southern Miss job, and Jeremy uh, McLean's right next to him. And he laughed with Jeremy. He's like, you, you know, I don't even know what I'm getting paid because it's my destination
1: job. <laughs> but that, this
0: is his destination job, and it was just yeah. such a great thing for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's what that's what you want. I mean, you want to hire coaches that want to be here at Southern yeah. Miss because they love Southern Miss, you know. I mean, a lot of these guys, they wouldn't do it for free. But, hey, Coach Ladner said he wasn't even sure what he was getting paid. So um, yeah. it was for him. For yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, Hall, Berry, uh, Ladner, we got some people that are bleeding black and gold right now, and I absolutely love it, man. So I think we'd be doing the people a disservice if you and I didn't talk about a little updated football going into the 2023 season. Late, so uh, what are your thoughts on this team? This is year three of Will Hall. That schedule's rough,
1: though, man. It's it is what it is. So what, what are your thoughts, man? It's it's year three. It's year two in the Sun Belt. You know, some, some disappointing win, um, disappointing losses last year, but I think it's some of those losses that you're going to build on. I mean, uh, Coach Hall's a guy that, I mean, he he knows what talent he has. Unfortunately, we've battled some injuries, you know, and you never can really look at, hey, who's going to get hurt, who's not going to get hurt. So you just kind of have to plan and go. But, man, I'm, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, a really good spring. Um, obviously getting one of the best running backs in the country back in Frank Gore. Uh, losing our defense coordinator, that hurts. But, you know, promoting from within, which that, that always says a lot. You, know, you just have to – anything Coach Hall does, you just have to believe and trust because that guy, he he believes and he trusts as well. And, you know, I think he's going to do a phenomenal job. Looking for big things in year three. I mean, that's usually that that year where you start to really see a lot of things. You get some of his guys on campus that he's truly recruited. Man, he's, he's done a phenomenal job of what he's had. But, yeah, year three, I'm looking for a lot of big things.
0: Again, and, and just one more thing about the 23 season, man, you know, last two seasons to coach Will Hall, little instability at that quarterback position, but quarterback room as far as the room as a whole got upgraded, no doubt with some transfers. What are your thoughts
1: on that quarterback position going to in 2023? Well, you know, you'd love to know who the starter is right now. That way they can start planning and preparing as the starter. But two, you know, if, you, if you're if not named the starter, what's a, What's a, what are you going to do? I mean, the same thing I did back in 95 and 96, you continue to compete. And so the room is much better and it's just going to make each of those guys much better. And so as they're approaching this off season this summer workouts, it's just going to take these guys getting on on the field, get some time down with, with these wide receivers, you know, obviously making sure they know this offense. but um, the, the room is is larger and more talented than we've had in a while and I'm excited about that. Oh, heck yeah. And I joke on Twitter quite a bit too. I want to see a Frank Gore Jr. for Heisman
0: campaign, but that's just me, man. <laughs> I just want to see it. I just want to see yeah, it. I'll so. back it.
1: I'll back you, man. You but get Thank the kick you, Lee. I'm thank started. you, man. I appreciate that. You. But there's some 23
0: talk. All right, Lee, definitely uh, want to talk a little family life with you, man. You and Tracy, absolute power couple in the Pine Belt. The family's a, a power couple in the Pine Belt, man. Uh, give me some family updates, man. I know you had one son play basketball for Southern Miss too, Lee, which yeah, was pretty Southern awesome.
1: Yeah. So I mentioned that my kids are really not football players. They've, they've each kind of done their own thing. So yeah, Blake was a basketball player. Brennan, our oldest, he played baseball in high school, but Blake did go on and play a couple of years at, at Southern Miss had to make some tough decisions uh, to prepare himself for, for dental school. He's going to apply for dental school this summer. I'm super proud of what he's been able to do. My oldest is in uh, physician assistant school in Montgomery uh, Bentley, our third son's getting ready to graduate high school. Marshan, we're too young to be having all these kids graduate, man. What's going on? I've to have three three out of high school, man. It's that's insane.
0: And when so, I when I saw Patrick Sertan's kid get drafted in the NFL, I'm like, how old am I? My my seventy. I mean, right? <laughs> so he's in the NFL. Sertan's son is in the NFL.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so Bentley's going to uh, graduate in a couple of weeks, and he's going to attend Southern Miss as well. So so my you know first three sons are all going to school at Southern Miss that that makes me proud for sure. And then Brooks, our youngest, is a sophomore. He's a he's a basketball, baseball guy as well. So, you know, they all love sports. They love athletics. They love Southern Miss. Um you know they're they're at, at just about every game, every venue that they can go to. They love to follow the black and gold. So couldn't be more proud of my kids. And of course Tracy, she's right there along the way, the the, 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 the only female in the house, man, it's, it's tough living in the Roberts household sometimes, but <laughs> uh, she handles us well. Oh, she's a rock,
0: man. She's got a <laughs> rock star husband, rock star family life. So good for y'all, man. Thanks for the update. Hey, Lee, I want to give you an opportunity, man, from the great Lee Roberts to tell a Southern Miss nation maybe some words
1: of a motivation or what have you for the future of where we're headed. Give us, give us some words, Lee. Well, you know, man, I, I mean I had to live by the slogan, man. It was what we lived by anywhere, anyone, anywhere, anytime. And and it's your show slogan. So you didn't pay me any money to say this, man. But I'm I'm gonna just say, hey, we're we're a university that's willing to do that, right? I mean, we we want to go compete. I mean, we want to compete at the highest level. So um, you know, the fan support, they supported me when I was in school. You know, I've seen a lot of support. It's it's much more fun when you know the rock is rocking, Reed Green is rocking, Pete Taylor's rocking um you know the softball complex is rocking you know Southern Miss Athletics a lot of great things happening on our track and field Not, um you know won the conference championship last year you know first sunbelt um team to win here at Southern Miss obviously basketball was the conference regular season champion baseball is competing we're looking forward to great things as well but yeah as as a as a football former football player fan and a uh, analyst I'm looking forward to to August, the end of August, first part of September, when we strap it on and uh, have that first game. So, you know, come out, come support, and uh, always support those uh, Golden Eagles, man.
0: Oh, heck yeah, man. And kind of sandwich the show, like I said earlier. You know, my great friend, somebody I admire, respect, no end. You know, it's to the point I call him Captain America because he's everything you want in an American. I'm just telling you, Lee Roberts is your guy. So, but I think the fans would enjoy uh, Lee Roberts and I kind of closing this thing out with our slogan. As always, it's Southern Miss to, to the, the top. Ch- yes, well, sir. I can't begin to describe how much I enjoyed catching up with my quarterback, Lee Roberts, right there. Well, back to Southern Miss baseball for a minute. And at the turn of the century, we had an outstanding pitcher on the mound, and his name was Chad Rogers. And here's Chad telling us a story about how some of that success came with the help of a four leaf clover.
2: So one of my favorite Southern Miss moments was, would have to be my senior year. We were in Cincinnati and I had had a couple of outings prior to coming into that weekend where I was struggling a little bit and wanted to get back on track. And I think our coaches knew that, um, but I distinctly remember one evening um, getting ready for bed and I got a knock on the door and it was Coach Burrows and, and Coach Barry, And they came to my door and they they spoke to me and basically said that they believed in me and were confident in me and knew that I was going to come out and pitch a heck of a game the next day. And you know, they gave me a little four-leaf clover that they had found on the field that day. And they said, "You don't need luck, but anytime you find a four-leaf clover, it's always good to have in your back pocket." So I stuck it in the in the hat band uh, inside my hat. And um, and I just I remember thinking how cool that was that they took the time to come see me. Uh, before I took them out the next day and it gave me a ton of confidence. I just, I felt so good that those, those guys believed in me along with Coach Palmer and they just took extra time to really care about the players and, you know, ultimately, um, just, just making you feel really good about being a Golden Eagle. So next day comes out, I go to the field and I gather my team. I tell them the story. I show them the four leaf clover and I said, we don't need this, but it's a cool memory, uh, that we're going to establish because we're going to go out there and win this game today. And, And luckily, uh, our team had a great day and were able to get plenty of runs for us to win the game. And we walked away with a W that day in Cincinnati. And it was just a real cool story about great coaching and confidence and belief as a team. And and just the whole thing was a great experience.
0: Well, thanks so much for sending that story into the show, Chad Rogers. Well, that's it for another edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we're on a push for 1,000-plus subscribers right now as we're limited to what we can do on YouTube until we get a thousand plus. So I'm going to ask you to do something that's absolutely free and easy to do. And that's go to our YouTube page, anyone, anywhere, anytime, and hit that subscribe button. Well, until next time, as always, it's Southern Mist to the top.